beautiful day God's given us as we celebrate this uh, great feast in our church called the Exaltation of the Cross. So today, the whole church throughout the world is, is focusing on the cross and, and reflecting on this great mystery. As our opening prayer said, as we share in this mystery, we will also share in, in the glory. You know, you might say no pain, no gain, right? No goal, no glory. And so the Lord, the Lord is inviting us as a church to consider these scriptures. And what is God saying to us today? What is He saying about the cross? And what I'd like you to think about is, is appearance can be deceiving, as we all know, right? Appearance can be very deceiving to us. So what you see and perceive, um, you know, if, if you look at somebody and somebody maybe doing something or saying something or, or looks like some this way or that way, we can judge, right? And we can judge the interior, but we can't see the interior. So for us all, we look at these scriptures and we see it says here how the Lord led the people through Moses. They were going from Egypt, right? Slavery and bondage in Egypt toward the promised land. So they're moving from Egypt to the Promised Land. And this first line of this scripture speaks about the cross in their lives and in their response to the cross in their lives. And it says, With their patience worn out by the journey, the people complained against God and Moses. You know, we're disgusted with this food. You know, why have you brought us out here to die? Basically, they're like, we were better off in Egypt, Moses. God, we were better off in Egypt. We'd rather stay in Egypt. We had food. We had at least a place to stay. Now we're wandering around in the desert. This food stinks. We don't know what you're doing. Okay? All of us here, hopefully, at some level, could relate to that first line of that scripture. With their patience worn out. How many of us feel that at times? Our patience is worn out by the journey. By the journey of life, we can get worn out. Our patience can be you know, thin. We can just be, have had enough. And so, the people complained against God and Moses. People, you all, myself, the people of Israel, really, there's nothing new under the sun. The human heart is the same. We struggle with different things in different cultures and generations. But bottom line, our human hearts, the heart is the same. We desire happiness. See, God's moving them from Egypt to the promised land. You and I are moving from the current day Egypt, which would be the world we live in, as we toil and labor. Many of us kind of can feel like a number in the workplace, right? We're like just another number in the will, in the system. That's how the people of Israel felt in Egypt. They felt, you know, they were, they were being taxed by Pharaoh. They were being overwhelmed by the day. Busyness. On and on and on. So they, they didn't, they felt this, just like you and I can feel it. And, and so, God's saying, the current day Egypt is our world, and He's moving us to the promised land of heaven. Now, when I was in high school, I remember playing, when I played football, I remember uh, um, summer, 
uh, practice. We call it triple sessions. I don't know what they call it here. But it was horrible. I hated it. <laughs> and I didn't like my coach either because he made us run and he made us run and he made us run and he made us go through play after play after play after play, right? After so many times during the day, you're like, enough, enough, let's get out of here. Right? And so God is coaching us. He's the coach, if you will. The Lord is leading us from this current Egypt, this world, to the promised land. But that process, that journey, will involve the cross. I don't know if you've ever seen the t-shirt, Jesus is on the cross, and it says, the Lord's gym. He has this weight of the cross on him. So the Lord's gym, we are being trained, we're growing, and it's easy for us to fall into the same same response of the, of the Israelites. And what happens when they start whining and complaining? Basically, in a nutshell, when they start sinning, what happens? When they start complaining and whining against God, God punishes them with serpents. Serve serpents. It bites them and many of them start dying. Now listen, some of you might say, well, God's an all-loving God. Why would He do such a thing? That sounds pretty harsh. What's God doing? You've got to understand how the Scriptures are written. When things happen, they're reading into it. What God is allowing or doing or what's happening, something must be going on here. God will protect us, but we have freedom. So when I start sinning, I step away from God's protection. So if I start cursing, I'm inviting the demonic into my life. We're not created to curse, we're created to bless. When I sin in any way, I'm inviting those seraph serpents into my day. And I'm going to feel like I'm being bitten. Venom, the venom of the serpent gets into me and I start spitting venom toward others or speaking venomous or acting in a poisonous way. So God is allowing this because God can't force us not to sin. When we sin, evil things can happen. God can't protect His children if they step outside the umbrella of His protection, right? And so, this is what's happening. But what happens to the people? The people repent. It says here, we have sinned in complaining against the Lord and you. This is a great way for us to pray. Great model of prayer. If you start whining and complaining, repent. Because it is a sin to, to whine and complain. There's nothing wrong with talking about the struggles with somebody, but it, there's a point where we cross the line and it becomes this whining and complaining, right? And so they repent against, they said, we've sinned against the Lord and you, Moses. Pray that the Lord takes these serpents from us. So what does God do? What does God do? He has Moses put a bronze serpent on a pole and makes them look at it. Now you might say, what in the world is God doing? What is He trying to teach us here? Well, a bronze serpent contains no venom within it. It's bronze. It appears to be a serpent if you looked at it. But if you look deeper, if you look at it closely, you realize it's bronze and it's not a threat to you. So if you forward, fast forward thousands of years, 
Jesus says in our gospel today, the Son of Man will be lifted up like in the desert when Moses lifted up a bronze serpent on a pole. Christ has taken on our sin. The Lord wants us to, when, when Moses lifts the bronze serpent, he's like, I want you to acknowledge your sin. Because that's what's healthy. That's what's going to heal us. Is when we acknowledge the sin. And so Jesus takes on our sins. He's lifted up on the cross. And when we look upon Him, who took upon our sins, it can be, at first, a temptation to be repulsed by the cross. Be repulsed by it. Again, appearance is deceiving. I don't, I don't like that. If somebody came into the church that has no idea about Christianity and they saw a bunch of people sitting in pews staring at a man on a crucifix, they would think we're probably sick because they don't understand. That would be like us in the modern day putting up a, an electric chair and staring at it with somebody in it. What's going on? Well, we know that, again, we've sinned. Jesus takes on our sin. We stare upon the cross because the wage of sin is death. And the Lord says, I'll die on your behalf. I'll die for you. But you need to acknowledge your sins and look at me. Look at what your sins have done. That's what the Lord's saying to each of us. Look at what your sins have done. And at first, it looks nasty. But if you look deeper, the most evil moment ever in humanity is right here. Yet the most beautiful and vibrant and brilliant moment of humanity is here. The greatest evil and the greatest good intersect at the cross. So in your lives, in my life, when we're tempted to whine and complain that God's coaching us from this Egypt to the promised land of heaven, when we're tempted to complain and we feel the cross in our lives, we feel the weight of our our sins and our choices, the consequences that come with that, when we experience that weight, it's tempting to start complaining and throw in the towel and give up. But my brothers and sisters, God brings good out of the greatest evil in our lives. That's the message today. The Lord's saying, look at your sin. Don't be afraid of it. Look at it. Look what it's done. But don't stop there. Look deeper. Look at the heart of the one on the cross. He has no venom there. Embrace your cross. It will lead you into heaven. The cross is the school of love. The cross is where we learn to become human. The cross is where selfishness is put to death. And the cross is where ultimately the human heart finds what it's looking for, which is happiness. No pain, no gain, no cross, no crown, no gall, no glory. Earth is a time of training for you and I. We're in training camp. If you will, this is preseason. The game day is the day when we meet the Lord or when we're going to, to surrender our life to the Lord. That's game day. But if we don't let the Lord take us through training camp, and we're always avoiding the cross because we just think with our human minds 
then we're going to not be ready to surrender at all to Him. And so next time you're tempted to complain and whine because your spouse or your children or your work seems to be driving you nuts, I'd like to invite you to do something perhaps a little crazy, which is to thank God and praise God for inconveniencing you. Not because we're sick people that like to suffer, but because we see something beyond the suffering. We see something happening behind the scenes. The mystery of Christ carving a saint in each man and woman in the church through the tools, the hammer, the nails, the grinders, the sanders throughout the day. The Lord's forming you into being saints. Now listen, the great beauty of this is you and I are actually participants in saving souls when we carry our cross. So, this is true. Regardless of how you understand it, it, it takes time for us to grasp it and understand it. But listen, the greatest treasure that you and I will see when we die is the way we carry the crosses that were given to us in this life. So the way you and I handle and carry the cross, like Jesus in the Passion of Christ, he embraced the cross with love. And the thief said, this, he said, what's wrong with you? Are, you? are you nuts? What are you embracing the cross for? He's yelling at Jesus. We don't embrace the cross for suffering itself. We embrace the cross because one, we know God's forming us into being saints. But two, and even more importantly, is that God's using the cross to save us from our selfishness and to save other souls from, from, from perishing. The salvation of souls. So when you die, you're going to see the struggles you had in your marriage, your family, your workplace. And you know what you're going to see? If you carried those crosses, and granted, none of us here are going to be perfect at this, right? But if you carried the cross, what you're going to see is this. A whole line of souls that you saved through Jesus living his cross through you, you carried, you let Jesus carry the cross through you, and you're going to see all these souls that are in heaven because you said yes to the cross. So think about this. Again, in Egypt, we're not taught to carry the cross. We're taught to avoid the cross at all costs. We're taught to eat, drink, and be merry. Anything that causes in inconvenience or struggles in my life, it's bad. On the contrary, the Christian faith says, no, it's not. So think about how you carry your cross right now. You know how people come to know Jesus? When they see other Christians carrying their cross as well. This is what impresses people about our faith. And we as Catholics have a genius in understanding the cross. We have such a gift. And so let's continue to pray the Mass with this in mind. That we're participating in Christ's work on the cross in many and various ways in our many and various lives.